A very important subject that has kind of been out of vogue for a number of years, people don't talk about it a whole lot, is the millennium. What does the Bible have to say about the millennium? Well, if you stay tuned, you'll find out. I'm glad you're with us today on All Things Apostolic. We've been having a great time. Um, As some of you know, this is my third day back from um, a full knee replacement, and it's only been 21 days, 22 days or so since this occurred, so uh, I probably got a ways to go. Uh, There's different estimates of how long it takes to get past it, but overall, in reality, to get all the way back, I think, takes uh, months, several months. So, you know, we've got a little road ahead, but I'm glad to be with you today and um, we're feeling good. We're going to make this work, and we're really excited about being with you for this particular subject. Now, as we announced on Monday, uh, today we're going to be talking about the millennium, uh, the biblical doctrine of the millennium, and uh, hopefully when we get through, there's going to be a better understanding of uh, everything we can think of about the millennium. Now, this goes along with a whole series that we are kind of, time-wise, we're kind of stumbling along with. But if you look back in the archives of All Things Apostolic, you will see that from way back now, weeks ago, we have been working on developing uh, the infrastructure for an eschatological approach to Scripture that is Bible-based and that is solid as a rock. And so we're working on that. So if you go back, you can see that and you put those pieces together. It is it is consecutive, but it's not every day, okay? So it is sequential, I should say, but it's not consecutive. It's not every day. So uh, this week, we're starting now today, uh, for the first time in the study, we're starting today on discussion of the millennium. And um, we're doing this because this is part of, oftentimes eschatology doesn't get talked about, or it gets talked about by mm, uh, quacks, (laughs) or it gets talked about by sensationalists, uh, or it gets talked about by people who uh, have figured out what parts of it to use to raise big offerings and to scare people, all of that makes the subject just a bit more cloudy. So here we we have nothing to gain or lose by what we're teaching, except there's always something to gain when you know you're teaching what the Word of God says, and then you just let the chips fall where they may, or whatever anybody wants to believe, they can. But we start with what the Word of God says, and then we go from there. That's an important thing. What does the Word of God say? So uh, we're going to look at that today. We're going to start. We won't get through today, I can guarantee you that, on the subject of the millennium. But we will go today. We'll go tomorrow. We'll see where we're at. I'm I'm thinking it, it'll take a while, more than that, for us to get through this. So uh, we're glad you're here with us. So the millennium, the millennial kingdom of a coming Jewish Messiah 
is a foundational theme of both the Old and the New Testaments. Uh, This is not just a One Testament doctrine. Israel's greatest and most oft-repeated hope was not just in the present, but it was for the future kingdom to come, which would be characterized by the Messiah as king. It would be characterized by being a universal kingdom. It would be characterized by a kingdom where righteousness reigned and where the poor uh, and the disenfranchised were not oppressed. It would be a place of such accelerated advancement over any earlier earth life that the promises were nothing short of breathtaking. Now, there's, there's actually two things that the Old Testament talks about. The Old Testament gives us information about the millennium, although the word millennium is not used till you get to, um, uh, to the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, the whole concept of a kingdom that is to come in which Jesus is the Messiah reigning, or the Messiah is the one reigning, the Christ is the one reigning, um, goes way back. And so uh, prophecy after prophecy in the Old Testament provides information about the kingdom to come. And those prophecies are magnified in the New Testament, culminating with an assurance that with the second advent of the Messiah, this kingdom would come literally on the earth. Now, Jesus himself, when he was going away in Acts chapter 1, he he was caught up and he ascended up into the clouds. And the angels spoke to the disciples that were there and said, Why stand ye gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus who is going away will return, will come back in like manner. And so he's going to come back supernaturally just as he left. And that second coming from the time of that prophecy has not yet been fulfilled, but it will be fulfilled. And so the only way he's back so far is he's in our hearts in the Holy Ghost, but he is coming back like he went away. So we know that the coming of the Holy Ghost into us is not the fulfillment of that promise because it says he's going to come back in like manner. They could see him physically going up in like manner doesn't mean that he's coming back and you can't tell where he's at because he's a spirit, but he's coming back in like manner as you see him go away. So millennium teaching as it emerged from the New Testament, this is is as it came when we come to the end of the New Testament age and we're coming into the beginning of the church age beyond the apostles and beyond the writing of the Bible. when that took place, the New Testament explained that at the end of the age, at the end of the church age, Christ would return and establish the millennial kingdom on earth of which he would be king. Now that Jesus taught of this kingdom and that the apostles readily embraced this understanding, you can see it repeatedly throughout the New Testament. Reading this in the New Testament makes clear that the apostles and their immediate successors believe they were living even then in the last days, and they believed the Lord could come at any time. And that's not only scripture, but you can also find that uh, Justin Martyr talked about that. 
Uh, Irenaeus talked about that and others. They further believed that both Israel and the entire earth would be subjected to this universal coming kingdom to which Jesus would be king. This kingdom, again, is not just a spiritual kingdom. This kingdom would be a literal kingdom with Jesus ruling in literal Jerusalem. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be a lot of changes in literal Jerusalem, because there will be. And that doesn't mean that there will not even be a heavenly Jerusalem after which the earthly Jerusalem is patterned. That may even become visible from earth. Who knows? This is a big universe, and there's some indication that that may happen. But nevertheless, there will still be natural Israel. There will still be natural Jerusalem. There will still be natural people, even though the the, the whole uh, metric of how people live and, and how uh, their life is measured, even though it'll be changed, it will still be human. And these people will still breathe air. And these people will still have crops. The Bible is filled with prophecies about this. And so these beliefs were considered an orthodox component of the apostolic faith handed down by the apostles themselves and was the central feature of their eschatology. The return of Jesus Christ was a central feature of their eschatology. The early fathers, that means the first leaders uh, after the apostles, but that also includes church leaders who were contemporary with and in some cases were instructed by the apostles. These were the people who um, got the message that the apostles were giving. In turn, their disciples, this would be people that were taught by the people that some of the apostles taught, their disciples also affirmed that they were living in the last days, even at that time, and looked for the imminent return of Christ to establish his kingdom. And so when you when you uh Think about this. This was not an unusual doctrine in the New Testament church. You can find place after place where this is referenced about the kingdom and what's going to come in the kingdom and all the parables about the kingdom in Matthew 13 and um, and uh, Jesus saying, when you pray, pray our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. And so earth is somehow caught up in a cosmic history of what God is doing. And it's not only here for now, but it's going to be here in the future. The, we're not going to be a rid of government. We're not, going to, we're not going to be rid of hierarchy. It's just that the hierarchy will be perfect and the government will be perfect. Think about that. And that Christ himself, who is the perfect king, will be king. And so this was what was taught by the early church, the character of early uh, uh, thinking on this uh, can be seen in some of the writings of that time. And there's plenty of writings extant from that time. In fact, uh, early Christians certainly believed in the millennium. Uh, they were actually identified, early Christians were actually identified as chilius from the Greek word for thousand which would be chilea or kalia or um, whatever the form of the word is when you're, when you're finding it in scripture. And so in English, you would say they were chileus. Um, 
That's what they were called. Why? Because they believed in the millennium that was coming. And the millennium is identified in Revelation chapter 20 at least six times as being a thousand-year period. And so they were called the thousand. It's, it's thousand-year people. That's, that's what they were called. And uh, it's derived from uh, the Greek, and uh, it's got many forms. Chiliad may be the main form. Uh, it means thousand, and it's uh, meaning that they believed in a coming millennium of a thousand years, just as described in Revelation chapter 20. Now, seeing how encompassing this description was caused uh, one historian— Adolf Harnack to say that Chileism, Chileism, uh, the belief in the thousand-year millennium, as the post-apostolic church emerged, I'm quoting him, Chileism, as the post-apostolic church emerged, was, here's a quote, inseparably associated with the gospel itself. So all I want to point out here is that the idea of the millennium is not something that came later that people made up somewhere and added a bunch of stuff to. This was so prominent of people that were coming out of the New Testament age that this this doctrine that they were chilliest was inseparably associated with the gospel itself. This is what they believed. This is what came out of the apostles. Now, whatever you believe today, you can believe, but this is what came out of the apostles. And the doctrine of Christ's second advent and the kingdom appears so early that it might be questioned whether it ought not to be regarded as an essential part of the Christian religion. And that's, that's, that's a quote of one of these church historians. So uh, when we think about this and we, we consider this, we need to think about this is what the apostles taught people and this is what they believed coming out of the New Testament age. See you tomorrow.